Today, Kevin McCarthy removed me from the House Intelligence Committee, all for doing my job, for holding Trump accountable and standing up to the extreme MAGA Republicans. I'm Dave Rubin, this is The Rubin Report. It is January 31st, 2023. We're live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and Locals. If you have not joined us at rubinreport.locals.com, what are you waiting for, people? We do a live post-game show after the live stream where I answer questions, take your comments, you can correct me, you can belittle me, whatever you want, uh, because membership has its privileges, so please do join us if you have not already. I feel uh, very, very good about today's show. As a matter of fact, I have already pre-awarded Connor and Phoenix with Shake Shack for lunch because I feel so good about the show that it seems like it's a double burger day. Uh, also, Clyde is in studio today. We'll see if we can get him on camera at some point. We've got some guys downstairs putting in some wood floors because we have these cement floors downstairs. And as you guys know, we have uh, two babies now and uh, babies, occasionally they're gonna fall, they're gonna whack their head. And apparently they shouldn't do that on like seriously hard cement floors. So we're softening it up with a little wood. So you might hear a little banging, that's why I'm telling you. Uh, fear not, it's not, uh, you know, Gavin Newsom's thugs trying to break in here and bring me back to California, as far as we know. Uh, it's just people working on the floors. Uh, but as I said, we do have a tremendous show for you today. We got a lot of clips. We're a little all over the place. I think you're going to see the way we weave this one is, is going to be uh, pretty crafty, if I do say so myself. And what I really want to talk about today, it's a little bit of a continuation of the Elon stuff and the free speech stuff, but, but not fully on that because I wanna talk about the shifting political alliances. Because as I said yesterday, the thing that really uh, lit Elon up when we sat down was when we talked about how I was a former lefty and a Democrat my whole life, and then I had this political awakening and how I've sort of shifted politically or seen the light or whatever you wanna call it, and how that really has so mirrored his political shift. And I think that has mirrored so many of your political shifts. And what I would say is, is the widest growing tent in American politics today, the disaffected liberal and which way are they gonna go? And you guys know there are always sort of like the Bill Maher types who, who kind of end up still on the Democrat side. But I think there's a whole bunch of people who see this new conservative thing, this, this thing that I think DeSantis is doing so well right here in Florida, but it's happening all over the country, where there can be a sort of new Republican party, a Republican party that shows some teeth, that shows some tolerance, that really is focused on individual rights and all of those things. And I wanna connect that, and here's how we're gonna start the show today. I wanna connect to that to your personal sort of political and existential philosophy, because I have come to the belief, it took me a long time to believe this belief, that you must believe in something. You have to believe in something greater than the physical world. You must believe in something greater than the thing that is happening every single day, because every single day you open this little computer machine in your pocket and there's just a litany of new craziness. They want your gas stoves today. They want to put your mask on Tomorrow, they want to inject you with this stuff. There's a war over there. It's just this never-ending thing. And if you only believe that is what is real, that is what is going on, it's gonna drag you into the lunacy. And I think that is why over the last couple of years, my good friend and, and mentor and guy we play an awful lot of clips of, uh, Jordan Peterson has exploded the way that he has. It's because he is talking about the grand narratives, whether they're biblical grand narratives or whether it's just purely stories, sometimes fiction stories like Pinocchio, that you have to believe in something beyond just this. You just have to, otherwise you kinda go crazy or as some might say, you kinda lose the plot. And that brings us uh, to Sam Harris. I wanna talk about Sam Harris for a moment and I do wanna preface this by saying, I, I was good friends with Sam Harris uh, for years. He and his wife came over to our house many, many times for dinner. We went out to dinner many times. We used to hang out, all of these things. People have asked me repeatedly to comment on what's been going on with Sam Harris because he seems to have gone off the deep end, well, certainly related to Trump over the last couple of years and then some COVID stuff. And he said some crazy things about Hunter Biden. And I've barely touched on it and it just keeps coming up. So I'm gonna just do a little something up top here to just address it. And then hopefully I can kind of let it go because I, I don't sense that he, 
he's that relevant anymore or, or sort of wants to be that relevant in, in a bizarre sense. I don't even mean that as a jab. Go, go mindfully meditate yourself. Like, it's all good. Uh, but it's not just me that's noticing this. Uh, at the beginning of Jordan's appearance on the Joe Rogan Experience the other day, uh, they mentioned the IDW. And for those of you that are a little late to the party, the IDW is the intellectual dark web. It basically was this ragtag group of internet people and professors that all were coming together about five years ago to, to fight the woke. And most of it took place, a lot of it took place at Joe Rogan's studio, but most of it took place in my garage at my house as I was interviewing Sam Harris and Jordan Peterson and the Weinstein brothers and Ayan Hirsi Ali and Douglas Murray and Michael Shermer and a whole bunch more. And th this was like a weird collection of political people, Ben Shapiro, uh, who didn't agree on a lot of stuff, but we kind of agreed that America was good and fighting for freedom was good and things of that nature. Anyway, Sam has sort of gone off the deep end with a lot of this. Uh, and Joe and, and uh, Jordan quickly hit on that at the top of the podcast. Sam, Sam Harris, too. Thing. That's Sam's the guys, in there. man. <laughs> Sam's in there, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I still have hope for Sam Harris. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. Yeah, I hope he, I hope he makes a comeback. So. I mean, he's not really going away. He's just got some weird opinions. Yeah, well, but there's there's plenty of that floating around. Well, you know, I think when you have, like, complex, fascinating brains, they go off in all kinds of different directions, don't this, you think? This is, this is one of the dangers of being creative, right? Most mm. creative ideas are wrong, and a good section of those wrong ones are fatal. But Oof. now and then you get one that's necessary. So. <clears throat> Peterson just cuts right to it, doesn't it? Um, it's interesting because Joe says, uh, you know, he has a complex or fascinating brain. I, I don't know that that's actually the case uh, about Sam. Like, I, I don't know. And again, I don't mean, I really don't mean any of this to be personal. I really hope you can, that is coming through the, the machine right now, through those airwaves and, and those internet vibes. Um, but I don't think his thoughts were that complex or fascinating. I think he chose to believe in purely the, the world right here. He, that right, he is like sort of the number one atheist. What was the book? Uh, the end of, what was the book? The end of, not the end of religion. Um, what was the book? The end of religion, the end of faith. Thank you. Um, he wrote a book called the end of faith. Like he's written another book waking up. It was a guide to spirituality without religion. So he, he wanted to believe everything that was kind of up here. Joe is sort of saying, well, that makes you sort of complex or fascinating. I actually think it's kind of the reverse. I think Jordan, and they had several debates about this, Jordan seems more complex to me. Jordan seems more fascinating to me. And I think what's happened here is when you only believe in this thing, and you're, so you're only responding to all the things happening all day long, you start having crazy opinions because this world, this mortal world right here is pretty crazy. Uh, so Sam, here's, let's just go into a couple of things that he, he dropped the ball on here. Um, one of them was he, he was wrong about an awful lot of COVID stuff related to vaccines and lockdowns and a whole bunch more. He was on a podcast, uh, this is about two weeks ago, uh, and just listen to the way he's trying to back out of all of his wrong opinions. But people with far less complex and fascinating brains didn't get all this stuff wrong, and he did. Had COVID been worse, you know, uh, just enough worse to really get our attention, to really be undeniable, we would have had a different political conversation around it. There wouldn't, there wouldn't have been the same kind of vaccine skepticism. Brett Weinstein would not have been releasing 80 straight podcasts on the dangers of the vaccine if a few variables were changed. I mean, just, just take that, leave COVID exactly as it is, but just make it preferentially dangerous children rather than to old people, right? You just flip that mm -hmm. around, the, the, the variable of age. If kids were dying by the hundreds of thousands from, from COVID at a rate of whatever it was, you know, 1%, say, um, mm -hmm. but if it was pretty much all kids, we, we would have had a very different experience, right? And, right. and the patience, that there would have been no fucking patience for vaccine skepticism, mm -hmm. right? And we, everyone would have recognized that this is not my body, my choice. This is, you're not gonna kill my kids with your, with your ignorance, right? And uh, you change one other variable. What if the vaccines actually really did block transmission much better than they in fact did? Right, so look, changing a lot of variables. Okay, yes, if we go back and 
think about everything differently than reality played out. I suppose you might've been right about some of these things, but you were wrong about all of these things. Why? I, I'm not even sitting here saying I'm the biggest, most complex, intelligent person on the planet, but I wasn't wrong about all of these things. So just quickly, some of these things. He says, had COVID been worse? But it wasn't. And a lot of us knew from the beginning, go back to my videos, by the time April 2020 was rolling around and they were talking about a 99.9 something percent survival rate and that it was only really killing people that were 80 and above and not that we should be dismissive of people 80 and above with those other comorbidities. But it was clear that locking us all down and putting masks on that obviously weren't gonna work and then what ultimately led to these vaccines and a whole bunch more, uh, none of it really made sense. So had COVID been worse, but it wasn't, dude, that's one. Uh, and then he says, it really would have got our attention. Did COVID not get our attention? Guys, I, you know, I'm a little out of it because, you know, I'm busy during the day, but were, were you paying attention? Were people paying attention to COVID during Phoenix? People were, was COVID a thing for the last? So yeah, people were paying attention to COVID. Uh, then he, he little jab at Brett Weinstein, which made no sense uh, because Brett was right about the dangers of the vaccine. Uh, and we're gonna get to more on that in just a little bit, but uh, the heart issues, uh, all of these people just dropping dead out of nowhere, uh, the effect it's having on people's immune systems, the fact that right now more people have died with the vaccine than without the vaccine. Uh, so just wrong, wrong, wrong. And then this thing where he talks about this flip on age, had it been killing kids, it would have all been, well, but again, it wasn't, it wasn't. And, and do you see how I'm linking this to, if you just are waking up every morning and listening to what the experts are saying, listening to the, what the machine is saying, not really having a narrative that gives you pause to some of these things, right? Like understanding that humans have been through it before and been through it again, and that there are, there are, uh, there are things, there are themes about human life that are way bigger than just waking up and reading what an expert says and trying to respond to it. And I think Sam unfortunately got caught in that machine, but it wasn't just with COVID. Uh, here he is, you may remember this one uh, from a couple months back, uh, getting really some, some crazy stuff out there related to the Hunter Biden laptop. I mean, Hunter Biden, at that point, Hunter Biden literally could have had, had the corpses of children in his basement. I would not have cared. Now that's not, that doesn't answer the people who say it's still completely unfair to not have looked at the laptop in a timely way and to have shut down the, you know, the New York Post's Twitter account. Like that, that's a, just a conspiracy, that's a left-wing conspiracy to deny the presidency to Donald Trump. Absolutely it was, absolutely, right? But I think it was warranted, right? And, I'm, and again, it's a coin toss as to whether or not- Sam, I'm sorry. That particular piece I'm, I'm really yeah. sorry. No, but there's nothing, conspiracy, it's not, it, it was a conspiracy out in the open, it does, but it doesn't matter if it was, a, it doesn't matter what part's conspiracy, what part's out in the open, I mean, I think it's like, if people get together and talk, and talk about what should we do with, about this phenomenon, you know, if, if it's like, if there, if there was an asteroid hurtling toward Earth and, and we got in a room together with all of our friends and had a conversation about what we could do to deflect its course, right? Is that a conspiracy? All right, some of his metaphors, I don't even think quite make a lot of sense. Now, he doesn't care if Hunter Biden had dead corpses. That seems like an issue. Now, now maybe he was being a little gratuitous when he said it, but you know, if the son of the president, the crack smoking son of the president had a couple dead bodies in the back, do you think they might be able to blackmail the president about that? Like, it's not nothing if the president's son has dead bodies. It's also not nothing if there's tons of videos of the president's son naked smoking crack. That, that's a problem too. Not, you know, not to be so old fashioned over here. Um, so look, everyone knew, not everyone. I knew, you probably knew, many of the people I associate now were screaming about the Hunter Biden laptop way back when. And even when we did not know it was fully true, we at least did not want it to be censored. And we certainly didn't want the New York Post to be censored. And now we know it was all coordinated. We know through the Twitter files, the government was working on it. We know that those 50 former intelligence officials, some of whom work at CNN right now, that they all lied when they said that the Hunter Biden laptop was misinformation. So he got the COVID one wrong. He got that one wrong. And again, I'm not doing this to just blow this guy apart. I wanna show you why philosophy and, and belief actually is, is deeply connected 
to politics and getting things right. I want to mention one other thing as long as we're talking about the Hunter Biden laptop story. You guys may remember at the beginning of the Trump presidency, I've never told this story. I'm going to tell this story one time. I'm never going to repeat it. This is, I'm, but I was sitting on this for a long time and then I was, when we were reviewing the show this morning, I was like, I better just tell this freaking story. Remember at the beginning of the Trump presidency when, they, when it was Russia, 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 and it was Russia collusion and Russia stole the election and Trump's a Russian agent, then they impeached him seven times and all that stuff. But literally year one of the Trump presidency, you may remember for like four days, the big story was that Donald Trump Jr. had lunch with some sort of Russian for a half hour on the Upper East Side. Do you remember that? If you don't remember it, you can Google it and find out about it. And everyone said, this is the smoking gun. He was getting information from the Russians and, and this was the thing. It was gonna link him to the father. It was gonna take down the administration. I didn't think it was anything. Like people have lunch with all sorts of people and like I just wasn't buying any of the nonsense. Anyway, I got a phone call from Sam Harris and he was quite angry and I remember thinking this is odd because he's the meditator, he's the Mr. Inner Peace. He was quite angry, he used the F-bomb a couple of times about how I was not being critical enough of Trump and I was enabling Trump and all of this stuff. And I said to him, I said, Sam, who do you want me to have on the show? I will have anyone you want on the show to absolutely lay it to Trump. I've had you on the show going after Trump. I will gladly do it. Like I'm an interviewer. I'll have people who disagree with me, obviously. He told me to have David Frum on the show. And I did have David Frum on the show. And I have to say, in retrospect, probably my least most uh, impressive guest ever. Um, as a, I, I just didn't buy really anything, he said. Um, but I did it. I did it in good faith to Sam. Um, Anyway, that's just a, a little bit of a sidebar. Uh, but one of the things that then Sam really, really got wrong was that on January 9th, 2021, uh, he tweeted this, you may remember this. There's an important debate to have about the wisdom of ki kicking Trump off Twitter. I still believe that it should have happened years ago and that we've paid a terrible price for the delay. But for the moment, all I wanna say is this, thanks, Jack. So he's thanking Jack Dorsey. Jack Dorsey, of course, is the disgraced former head of Twitter, who now we absolutely know through the Twitter files was running a company that not only was colluding with the government to silence people, but basically had all left-wing activists doing all, all sorts of stuff. And I know this firsthand from Elon, they still don't know exactly what these people have done to the code. So Sam Again, he was someone that was supposed to be protecting free speech, right? As this, as this intellectual dark web crew came together, we were defending free speech. He wanted Trump to be banned earlier than he was banned. And then he was applauding that basically a technocrat was able to silence the president of the United States. Uh, this is not good. I don't think it's morally consistent. I don't think it's ethical or anything else. Anyway, a couple days ago on another podcast, uh, he went off on uh, Elon Musk. And that was really why we eventually decided to do uh, the segment we're doing right here. We now have the spectacle of Elon completely misusing his opportunity to, to live a fulfilling life. Oh God, we Twitter already, we already talked about Trump. Now we, now we got Elon, yeah, we got the, I mean, now the we, word Elon's come out of your lips. Here's another, another friend who I have been loath to talk about, but right. Um, it's just like, here's somebody who is just the poster boy for having better things to do. Yes. And yet he's just tweeting himself into a proper fugue state. I just don't even know what to say about that. That is so disconnected from the reality that I saw for two days, for the hours that I spent with Elon. Like the guy is literally trying to put the train back on the tracks relative to, for, uh, relative to our ability to speak freely and communicate with each other and everything else. He's taking a deeply broken system that is Twitter, broken because of its collusion with the government, broken because of its internal problems and the misdirection of guys like Jack Dorsey, who Sam was thanking, and he's trying to make it an even playing field again. Uh, yes, he has a whole bunch of other things to do. He's trying to get us to Mars for one. That, that seems like a full-time job. Uh, but he's stepping into this. And as I said in the Twitter thread, he didn't need this problem. He didn't need it. And also $44 billion that he bought it for, even if you're the world's richest guy, buying something for 44 billion that is purging probably hundreds of millions of dollars a year. 
uh, is not necessarily the best business situation. He didn't do it for fun. I assure you, although, as I said, he was laughing a lot and, and kind of having fun with people up there and sharing memes with everybody and he showed us a couple funny videos and that sort of thing, he was genuinely, as far as I could tell, unless I am com unless he completely had me bamboozled, unless Elon Musk bought this thing just to punk everybody, and I don't think there's any evidence of that. He has brought all these people back on Twitter. He's clearly trying to fix, I mean, it wasn't that I just talked to him, I talked to the programmers who were getting the instructions from him, who are sitting there all day long trying to fix this thing. Like, what, what a... What better fight is there than the fight for free speech? I don't know. I actually don't know. Uh, so yeah, you kind of got that one wrong too. And Sam and Elon had gotten into it on Twitter a whole bunch of times. And I just want to throw you one. I thought this was a fitting response that Elon gave Sam on one of these. Sam, there is such a thing as meditating too much. And I think that kind of gets to it. I think it kind of gets to uh, that if you just, if it's just about meditation, if it's just about responding to the news, if it isn't about the lessons that people have been fighting for and telling stories about way before us, um, you're gonna get an awful lot of things wrong and you're gonna turn on good people who are doing, doing the right thing. Elon Musk is doing the right thing right now. I don't mean that as a sycophant or a fanboy. I mean it as, a professional who walked into a, a place of business and saw people trying to fight for all of what I consider to be the right things. Uh, so I, I hopefully won't even have to address this again. It's not fun talking about a former friend. I also just, let me just say one other thing. Uh, as it got a little tense with Sam and I towards the end there, I've repeatedly, and I have all the text to prove it, and I'm never going to release private texts and phone conversations. Um, I repeatedly said to him, I don't care about our political differences. I repeatedly said to him, uh, I might have a blind spot on some of this stuff. You might have a blind spot on some of this stuff. He would never admit that he might have a blind spot, but I would always say, maybe I do, which is why I had from on uh, years ago. Um, and I would always say that it just, it just simply also doesn't matter. Like there are other reasons to be friends outside of politics. Uh, but perhaps if you don't believe in anything, if, if you don't believe in God, but you believe that Trump is the devil, you might start doing some weird stuff. But now here's what I wanna do, because I don't wanna make this all about Sam and I don't want this to seem petty or shallow or anything else. I wanna talk about how a mistaken philosophy, a confused philosophy, uh, and a philosophy without belief beyond, again, what goes on right, right in front of us all day long, uh, is gonna make people do crazy things. And one of the craziest people I think really one of like the most megalomaniacal, megalomaniacal, just he's a megalomaniac. Jesus, thank you. Give some water. Bill Gates, he's a megalomaniac, people. Okay, I don't like this guy. Uh, I wanna show you a couple videos of him. Some of them we're gonna throw back to from a while back and some will be current. And you'll see the trajectory that this guy has been on for quite some time. Uh, here he is in March of 2021 equating wearing masks to wearing pants. Uh, you may note that in the video we're about to show you, while the entire audience uh, is gonna be masked, we're not, we cut that part out, but all the people he's sitting with are not masked and he's holding his mask while he's talking about the benefits of masks. March of 2021, so this is still sort of middle of COVID stuff. What about masks? I think there are a lot of people in America who are confused about whether they should be wearing a mask. And in the United Kingdom, for example, they've scrapped that altogether. Well, that's interesting. You know, what is the downside of wearing a mask? I mean, it's got to be tough. You know, you have to wear pants. Uh, I mean, this is tough stuff. These societies are so cruel. Why do they make you wear pants? I'm trying to figure it out. Uh, <laughs> We're very glad you have yours on. Um... Ah, now, okay, so even the interviewer there was like, yeah, you're not even wearing your mask, and they're all sitting there without masks Ow, he's, as he's talking about masks. Here's a picture of a maskless Bill Gates with other people have masks. And you just really need to understand this, guys. Uh, Bill Gates, who has more farmland than anyone in the United States, who has these houses that are worth hundreds of millions of dollars. He has this insane compound uh, in Washington. You must understand that at the height of COVID, this guy was not wearing a mask around his house. But I assure you that all his slaves, his, his indentured servants and his workers were all wearing masks at his house. So that's what, it's about exercising power over people rather than doing anything that has anything to do with science or keeping people safe or anything else. Uh, now here's a video uh, of Bill Gates. I, the fact that this guy keeps getting on air, this is what I kept saying about Fauci all along. 
Uh, and these people who get everything wrong, Walensky, they keep showing up, they get everything wrong and they have no shame. And I'm amazed by this concept. I really am amazed by this concept. Like if I had gotten everything wildly wrong, I don't mean political predictions. I mean the basic stuff for all of these years. Well, most likely many of you would probably have tuned out of the show. Boy, Dave gets a whole bunch of stuff wrong and maybe I'm gonna watch something else. That would make a lot of sense. And I'd probably think about something else to do for a living. I wanted to be in the NBA. I'd get going on that, okay? But these people that get everything wrong, they still, because nobody ever pays the price, because if you're a leftist or a Democrat or a globalist, you have this privilege that you can get everything wrong, you can wreck everything, Gavin Newsom, and they will keep giving you more and more credit, more and more money, more and more power, influence, et cetera. So Gates just keeps showing up in the media. Here he is uh, saying that COVID was naturally caused, something we do not know for a fact. Actually, most people that I trust uh, seem to believe this was leaked out of the Wuhan lab and the NIH was doing gain-of-function research there. And now we know that Pfizer was doing gain-of-function re research themselves. Uh, but it's not just that. I want you to listen to the end of this where he talks about epidemics in the future and watch his mouth. Just watch his mouth as he says that. Just referenced intentional pandemics. Do you um, harbor any doubts about the origins of COVID-19? No, the evidence is, is very clear that it's naturally caused. Um, you know, it's a, a bad virus and we're going to have natural epidemics. And sadly, we may have some unnatural epidemics in the future. Okay, first off, there isn't evidence that it was naturally caused. There isn't. This is still absolutely up for debate. And again, most of the people that I trust believe that this was leaked from the Wuhan lab. Can we show it one more time? Because why, you can see the way his lips sort of change. He's sort of smiling as he's saying that there are going to be unnatural pandemics coming. Just referenced intentional pandemics. Do you um, harbor any doubts about the origins of COVID-19? No, the evidence is, is very clear that it's naturally caused. Um, you know, it's a, a bad virus and we're gonna have natural epidemics and sadly we may have some unnatural epidemics in the future. I'm telling you guys, Bill Gates is evil. I don't know that he somehow had anything to do with releasing this thing, but it seems like he certainly is ready to have something to do with releasing the next one. And speaking of that, what is the next thing that they are gonna unleash on you as they've been telling you that they wanna take your gas stoves and they want you to drive electric cars where you can, whether you can afford them or not? Uh, well, they do wanna lock you down because of climate and Bill's gonna make sure that uh, you're gonna stay in your house. He'll stay in one of many, many houses on an awful lot of his land that he has, but you, you stay in your basement. Next pandemic as urgent now as the threat from climate change? Well, they're very different. You know, climate change just gets worse every year as long as you continue emissions. Uh, a pandemic, we're likely to go a fair period of time without either a naturally or intentionally caused pandemic. But when it does strike, uh, you know, we saw uh, tens of millions of lives and tens of trillions of dollars. Fortunately, the cost to be ready for the next pandemic is uh, rounding error uh, compared to what it takes to retool the modern economy uh, to uh, solve climate change. So, uh, you know, preparation for earthquakes, pandemics, uh, governments are responsible for uh, their people's welfare. And, and so a modest investment should make us able to uh, not have a severe pandemic. Okay, first off, again, this thing where he smiles as he's talking about the uh, upcoming disasters is really, really bizarre, right? If you feared the upcoming disasters, be they pandemics or earthquakes or climate episodes or whatever, maybe you wouldn't be smiling about it if you were really, really worried about it. That's number one. He also said that tens of millions of lives were lost related to COVID. Uh, we just checked 6.8 million people worldwide. That's actually shockingly low if you think about it. Really think about what the world has been like for the last three years, the things that, hap that we did, all of the lunacy and 6.8 million people died. Not to dismiss any of those deaths, obviously. Um, but he seems to want you to think that more people died because he needs you to think that much like the climate people need you to think that the world's gonna end in seven years, AOC. It's all complete Nonsense. So the other thing that Bill Gates is doing, as you know, he is, the, this is just so wild. The guy created Microsoft. He created the Windows operating system. And then if you were to flash forward 30 years or 35 years, whatever it is, now he is the largest 
farmland owner in the United States. And you know what's really, really weird? He's also been buying a whole bunch of companies and making a whole bunch of investments in companies that make artificial meat. Now, is that weird? I wanna go on a little crazy conspiracy adventure for you guys. Um, he's buying farmland, then he can do whatever he wants with that, so you can't put cows on it or chickens on it or whatever else. And then he's buying these companies and investing in things so that you'll have to eat artificial meat. I'm gonna have to really think about this one. Videotape. And, you know, I've been pleased that the interest level in climate has gone up pretty dramatically over the last two or three years. It was about 10 years ago I had some professors come to me four or five times a year and bring other experts so I could learn. Okay, how good are the models? What are the negative effects? What is the uncertainty? What are the positive feedback cycles? And so I've been on this learning curve, and that's the whole reason I started this nuclear power company called TerraPower was not to make money, uh, and I've avoided that. Uh, 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 but although the artificial meat companies I put yes. money into, I'm going to make more from those than I lost in the other ones. But Gosh darn it, he's going to make an awful lot of money in artificial meat companies while also ensuring that he has all this land that we can't use for grazing and raising meat and chicken and all that stuff. How bizarre. But I do wonder, do you think he was eating meat when he had his multiple dinners with Jeffrey Epstein? Now, one of the issues that's dogged you is, is that of your relationship with Jeffrey Epstein. Do you regret the relationship that you maintained with him against Melinda's advice and wishes? Oh, I've said that I'm, I mean, this is, you're going way back in mm -hmm. time. But yeah, I, New audience. I will say for the, you know, oh, over 100 times, yeah, I shouldn't have had uh, dinners with him. Um, Epstein had a way of sexually compromising people. Is that what Melinda was warning you about? No. I mean, it, it's, no, I, I had dinner with him uh, and that's all. And that you regret the relationship, the acquaintance? That I had dinner with him. Mm. And, and the relationship between the foundation and Epstein, which There was... never was any relationship of any kind. Okay, you might note that he contradicts himself. Well, first off, he does this weird smiley thing again as it seems like he's lying. But at one point he says dinner, then he said dinners. Also, it's very unclear if there was a direct relationship between Epstein and the Gates Foundation. You know, Epstein was funding all sorts of things that Gates has his hands in, whether it's the Harvard Endowment, like all sorts of crazy things. Um, but, you know, if you didn't do anything with Epstein, why do you regret having dinner with the guy? Well, that's a little kind of curious. Uh, but the reason I'm going off on Bill Gates right now is because these people who, again, get everything wrong, and Sam Harris, I would put in the same bucket, you get all of these things wrong while, while denigrating the people who are standing up for your individual rights and your ability to live freely and everything else, fighting the globalists at every front. So you're, you're getting the things wrong and you're handicapping the people who are doing the good work. Uh, Bill Gates has incredible influence over world leaders. This connects us to the whole World Economic Forum that we've done for the last few weeks and much more. Uh, Bill Gates was asked recently um, what would happen during a next pandemic, and he just wants us all to be more like Australia. Do you believe it's possible to prevent the next pandemic? Say again? Is it possible to prevent the next pandemic? Yes, if every country does what Australia did, then you wouldn't be calling it a pandemic. Uh, that's all. Okay, now I wanna show you. You know how I always tell you these people get everything wrong and they just keep marching forward? Well, uh, here's a little video. We could have taken end the, any endless video of protests in Australia because people were locked in their houses and couldn't go to work and all the stuff. Here's a quick 15 second video. Do you think these people are thrilled with Bill Gates? Oh, if we could have just had more of this and then exported it throughout the world. I honestly believe that Bill Gates thinks those people are the problem. When you believe in the collective, when you believe in globalism, when you believe in a top-down view of the world, and when you believe that you're God, I think he actually thinks he is a type of God. And when you believe that, you don't care that those people wanna get out there and see the sunshine and get out there and play with, the, run around with the kangaroos and throw their boomerangs and all the other things that Australians do. Do they, what else? Those are the two main things, right? Riding around on kangaroos and throwing boomerangs. You get the point. 
Uh, he wants all countries to be more like Australia. Well, you know what's going on in Australia right now? They are still, still, I saw this video yesterday. This is bananas. They are still pushing vaccines and boosters. And listen to the way that this journalist on Australian TV frames it. Listen to the way the guy, it's just, this is gross. Like, get your barf bag ready, go. Well, despite calls from health authorities to roll up our sleeves for a fifth dose, a large amount of Australians are still resisting getting their COVID booster shot, according to the latest data. Eddie Meyer joins me now to talk me through us. Um, Eddie, talk me through the numbers. They're quite surprising. Yeah, it's quite interesting. This is research done for the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age, and it basically shows that there's a fall in the number of us willing to go from three to four doses, and that's mm. particularly true in that more vulnerable population over 65. Just 24% of them have um, have had their fourth dose. And right now, overall, just a third of us have had our fourth dose. Wow, so the figures don't lie, but why then are people still reluctant to get another booster? Well, I had a chat to some GPs this morning and they say that there is there's a lack of fear at the moment. People mm -hmm. have seen themselves and others get COVID and they've been okay, they've had a couple of doses and they, they seem to be complacent. All right, guys, close up your barf bag, put it aside. Let's just continue with the show. I mean, there's so much there. There's a lack of fear. They haven't scared the average Australian enough to get their fifth dose. The vaccines don't work. None of this works. Do you guys get it yet? It's literally going to be 2036. People are going to be on their 87th vaccine and they're going to do a news broadcast and they're going to go, you know, people aren't interested in taking their 88th vaccine. And if you don't take your 88th vaccine, your fifth eyeball might fall out, right? Sure, we all got five eyeballs over the last couple of years. We don't know why. We've been injecting ourselves in this weird stuff. Now you've got four eyeballs that all kind of work in sync with each other, but you got this one crazy eyeball. And if you don't take the 88th... Here's Justin Trudeau. I hate this son of a bitch. Uh, this is a while back, but just it's a good one relative to how the media sort of dances with all of the people who are the evil people trying to stick weird stuff into your body. Just recently, you and your wife got your shot, your first shot uh, on her birthday of all days. Uh, did you feel a sense of relief and joy? You know, it's amazing because we were talking about how important it was for everyone to get vaccinated and what a big deal it was to get vaccinated. So I thought that was all built in already. Right. But getting that shot really was Doesn't an amazing it? feeling. It, 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 it hits you. Did you it cry? Really, <laughs> it, I, 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 I cry at, you know, I cry at movies. I didn't cry at the, at the, at the <laughs> shot. But, you know, it was a moment where, where you realize, okay, this is it. And it wasn't so much because I felt that I'm at high risk because we're being careful and I'm healthy and I'm young and all that. But at the same time, it's knowing that each of us doing our part is getting through this because we don't get through this unless mm. you know the vast majority of the population gets that first shot and then a few months later gets that second shot that's how we get through it and it's something that everyone can do and we're just seeing canadians come out in such strong numbers all across the country to say yeah i want this covid thing to end i want to get back to normal and the way to do that is to make sure everyone even that crusty old uncle who resists or that friend who's skeptical, encourage them, convince them, uh, tell them that they need to get to get vaccinated because this is how we get through it. You know, I realize I just screwed all you guys because you're all watching this and I told you to use your barf bag for the previous clip and now your barf bag's full, you're watching Justin Trudeau and, I'm, and there's nothing worse than when you have to open a barf bag and puke into the puke laden barf bag. So you either overflowed your barf bag or you puke this way. Uh, he is just, I really hate that asexual way of talking where everything I say, I say it like this. So I can't be a bad person because I'm talking like this and I'm saying things. And who would be evil and also talk like this? I'm Justin Trudeau and I'm young and okay, but I just want your crusty uncle to do what I want him to do because I'm Justin Trudeau and look at my hair. I hate whatever that thing is. What do they call that? Is there a phrase for that person who just talks like this? And you don't have to know anything because you just keep talking and people are looking at you and you're just talking and smiling and it's just great and it's wonderful and you're Justin Trudeau and sure your dad was probably the communist. You all know that. And oh my God, I'm Justin Trudeau. But I want to show you guys how these evil leaders, be they people like Bill Gates who have no right to have 
any control over your life whatsoever. Or Justin Trudeau, who I would also argue has no right to have any control over your life, but he is the prime minister of a country. They do have some authority. I will accept that. Uh, how their bad ideas are so easily shot down when confronted with reality. So this is an incredible video from yesterday. This is Scottish First Minister. Her name is Nicola Sturgeon. And she is confronted about the phrase trans women are women relative to where trans women should go to jail. This one is a pure joy. You will not need your barf bag. So wipe up your mouth. Enjoy. My question is, are all trans Look, women women? This you haven't is, answered that question. Well, that's not the point that we're dealing with here. That's yet. the question I'm asking. Trans women are, are women, but in the prison context, there is no automatic right for a trans so woman. So there are contexts where a trans woman is not a woman? No, there is, <laughs> there is circumstances in which a trans woman uh, will be housed in the male prison estate. Is there any the context in which a woman born as a woman will be housed in the male estate? Look, we're talking here about trans women. And I'm now asking about women born as women. Uh, I don't think there are circumstances there, uh, but... So it's different for trans women? Well, yes, and I, I'm not... So they're not equal? That is not... The, there is a risk assessment process done for trans women that takes account of the nature of the crime. It clearly, it, significant concern arises out of sexual crime and whether it's appropriate for them to be in a female prison okay. or a male prison. Isn't it great when these people are confronted with reality? Like, good job by that journalist. And I always say it's very refreshing when I can actually say the word journalist and not use air quotes. Trans women are not women. They are trans women. And again, if you are an adult and you choose to live your life as the opposite sex, if you really believe that is within you and you want to put on a dress or have whatever surgeries, I am, I don't want to say I'm all for it, but, but live, go, go do your thing. Go do your thing. I have no right to tell you how to live your life as an as a autonomous functioning adult. But when you listen to these people, so trans women are women. Well, okay, should they be in the women's prison? Uh, well, I, well, you can see, and they don't know what they're saying. And it's like, uh, okay, well, here's this trans woman. Her name's Laura. She's six foot eight. She just, with her giant penis, just raped 18 girls. Some of them underage. We're gonna throw them in the chick. Whoa, whoa, hey, whoa. What do you think we're doing over here? So these people, when confronted with reality, their ideas, this is one of the reasons they're always going for censorship. Why, why are the lefties and the wokesters always trying to censor people? Well, it's a powerful tool. Like it's just, it's just powerful in and of itself. But also if your ideas are really bad, the best way you could keep pushing them out there is to silence all dissent. And their ideas are terrible. Their ideas, you could poke through them easier than poking through a wet paper bag. That's where we're at, at the moment. But there are some leaders trying to do the right thing. So now let's bring this back to the United States. But the thing is, when you do the right thing, you gotta go all the way, you can't do half measures. So first I wanna show you, this is Utah Governor Spencer Cox, and he has now banned gender-affirming healthcare for minors. This part is good. It's happening in state houses all across the country with Utah. Have you heard about this? Now becoming the first state to ban gender-affirming care for trans minors this year. That new law keeps kids from getting gender-affirming surgeries while putting an indefinite moratorium on things like puberty blockers and hormone therapy. Okay, so this is very good. Now, first off, I also, I also wanna mention that this phrase gender-affirming care, it's not affirming if you're chopping off your boobs or your wang. That is disaffirming. That is um, not affirming, okay? Uh, affirming would be like, oh, you have boobs? you have a wang, we're gonna see if we can get you through this situation, okay, until you're an adult and then you can make a decision on your own. But a 13-year-old walking in there or a nine-year-old walking in there and saying, I want drugs because I don't want these body parts, uh, that is not affirming their uh, gender, okay? That's just a fact. I know you weirdos, not you watching this right now, but you weirdos who are watching this to try to get me later. I know you're gonna go crazy with this, but it's just true, it's just true. But the problem is that Utah Governor Spencer, who is a Republican, uh, Spencer Cox, uh, he gets it on, at some level, right? He just passed this gender-affirming care ban, uh, but here he is on a Zoom call uh, all about equity and inclusion, and yeah, he's sharing his pronouns. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. I am Governor Spencer Cox, and I have the pleasure today of hosting the first One Utah Student Town Hall. And uh, my preferred pronouns are he, him, and his. 
Her pronouns are he, him, and his. So it's like, this guy's going to fail Utah. Like, there's just absolutely no doubt. I give you credit where you get credit. He also has that, that Justin Trudeau thing. I'm Spencer Cox, and my pronouns are he, him. What is that? It has nothing to do with being gay, by the way. That's not a gay thing or a straight thing. There are, with these, like, I don't know that Justin Trudeau is gay. He's probably been banged a couple of times. It just seems like it. Newsom has definitely banged Trudeau. There's no, uh, don't Google that, because I'm sure it exists somewhere, like some weird CGI thing. But, but it's like, I, I don't think that's a gay thing. I think it's this, this weird, it's like, that's like the lizard person thing. You, their, their ideas are so bad and then they're not even, a, all right, so what happened? Uh, what happened that led us to a place where we listen to experts, let's say intellectual experts uh, like Sam Harris who get everything wrong, where we listen to technology experts who then become medical experts like Bill Gates, politicians like this Swedish woman and the governor of Utah all, and Justin Trudeau, all of these people who have none of your interests in mind, they have their interests in mind. How did we get there and what do we do about it? Well, at some point you say enough is enough and you find political leaders who are willing to stand up for the right things. Cue Florida. We should just have, should we have like a gator come in when, when people know I'm about to say something about Florida and it's just so obvious and just like a gator could just like slide across the screen. Uh, here is DeSantis. This is about a week and a half ago. As you know, there was the big battle for the RNC uh, chairwoman slot. It was Ronna McDonald, uh, sorry, Ronna McDaniel versus Harmeet Dillon. I had Harmeet Dillon on the show. She's an absolutely wonderful First Amendment lawyer. Uh, and the base really wanted her. It was very weird because Trump wanted McDaniel and she's sort of the old one who's, you know, really wrecked so much of what has happened. So much of the destruction and the carnage related to the Republicans is definitely at her footsteps or at her doorstep, but Trump wanted her. Uh, Harmeet would have been much better, but here is DeSantis, and this is before uh, Ron and McDaniel won, uh, talking about how the Republicans need change. Harmeet would be the right one. So this is about a, a governor doing the right thing, trying to find other people within the apparatus to do the right thing as well. Well, we've had three substandard election cycles in a row, 18, 20, and 22. And I would say of all three of those, 22 was probably the worst given the, the political environment of a very unpopular president in Biden. Huge majorities of the people think the country's going in the wrong direction. That is an environment that's tailor-made to make big gains in the House and the Senate and state, house, state houses all across the country, and yet that didn't happen. And in fact, we even lost ground in the U.S. Senate. And so, you know, I think we need uh, a change. I think we need to get some new blood in the RNC. Why would you want to have your headquarters in the most Democrat city in America, it's more Democrat than San Francisco is. So I think you get it in real parts of the country. You attract people who wanna, who wanna live in those parts of the country, not DC insiders. But I do think we need some fresh thinking. And I, here's the thing, just, just practically speaking, you need grassroots Republicans to power this organization with volunteering and donations. Okay, so to be clear, it did not go the way that Governor DeSantis wanted. It didn't go the way I wanted, right? I had Harmeet on. I would have had McDaniel on too. I think we reached out to her. She's Mitt Romney's niece, by the way, so there might be some weird thing you can probably extrapolate out of that. Um, but the base, and again, this is why it, the whole thing was so weird. The base was against McDaniel. The base was for Harmeet and Trump was for McDaniel. Something very weird is brewing there. Uh, but DeSantis, I think had the right position. He did not get what he wants. That's one of those things where you don't always get what you want, but you do have to set the example. You have to stand up for what's right and talk about what's going on at the, at the base level, at the grassroots level and everything else. And then what happens when you do that is that blueprint starts spreading. And one of the things I've been really happy about, I predicted it and it's so far so good, is that this new crop of Republicans is coming in. I think it partly is because of the fight that they had over the speaker leadership, whether McCarthy was gonna get it or not, and they are showing some balls, and that's what they had to do. Uh, here is Kevin McCarthy, the new House speaker, obviously, uh, firing back at a leftist reporter who was trying to get him over this George Santos thing. You know, we haven't done much on George Santos. He's a Republican from Long Island, Nassau County, where I'm from, who it turns out that a lot of his backstory was completely made up like beyond, beyond fictitious, but oh my God, a politician lying, I can't believe it. And McCarthy's just not falling for the trap. Are you standing by him? What? Because if he resigns, that could cost you a seat. No, 
You know why I'm standing by him? Because his constituents voted for him. I do not have the power, simply because if I disagree with somebody or what they have said, that I remove him from elected office. Now, I will hold him to the same standard I hold anyone else elected to Congress. If for some way, when we go through ethics, that he has broken the law, or, you know, then we will remove him. But it's not my role. I believe in the rule of law. A person's innocent to proven guilty. And if I was to hold the standard that if somebody lied, Joe Biden couldn't be president right now. He told us we, he had three degrees. He graduated first in his class the numerous times before. Yeah, you know, lying does not disqualify you. There would literally be nobody in D.C. <laughs> I mean, it would be a ghost. It's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty depressing ghost town as is, but it would, there would be nobody there if lying meant you could not be in office. Now, McCarthy's right. You find out that he, he actually did something illegal, you got to deal with that. But lying is not the barometer. And by the way, uh, having or being, let's say, because if you're a liar, you're, let's say, a, to some degree, amoral, something like that. Uh, if lying meant anything, well, Ilhan Omar married her brother. We know that. Uh, Eric Swalwell slept with the Chinese spy who staffed his office. We know that. The way you know those things aren't true is they're never talked about on mainstream media. And if they were complete lies, mainstream media would destroy them very easily. So the, the ignoring of stories is now becoming a, a very easy barometer on how to figure out whether something is true or not. So McCarthy, of course, is doing the right thing. And then not only that, well, he also is removing Adam Schiff and Ilhan Omar and Eric Swalwell from some of their committees. They should not be on committees. These are not good people or good Americans. Uh, and he really crushed a reporter who went after him for doing just that. You ask me a question. When I answer it, it's the answer to your question. You don't get to determine whether I answer your question or not, okay? In all respect. Thank you. No, no, let's answer her question. You just raised a question. I'm gonna be very clear with you. The Intel Committee is different. You know why? Because what happens in the Intel Committee, you don't know. What happens in the Intel Committee, although the secrets are going on in the world, other members of Congress don't know. What did Adam Schiff do as the chairman of the Intel Committee? What Adam Schiff did, use his power as a chairman and lie to the American public. Even the inspector general said it. When Devin Nunes put out a memo, he said it was false. When we had a laptop, he used it before an election to be politics and say that it was false and said it was the Russian. But I will not be like Democrats and play politics with these, where they removed Republicans from committees and all committees. So yes, he can serve on a committee, but he will not serve on intel because it goes to the national security of America. And I will always put them first, all right? So this is what we've been waiting for from Republicans for quite some time. Stand up for the right things. Play ball, play ball hard. Use some of the tools that they're always using against you guys. And note the, the clarity that he's speaking with. You know, he's not shifty. It's just here, I, we know that he was lying. Schiff, we'll get to that in just a second. We know he was lying. And these are state secrets on the Intel Committee that someone like Ilhan Omar should not have, that someone like Swalwell should not have, that someone like Schiff should not have. And then you know what happened, believe it or not, this past weekend on CNN, Dana Bash, actually asked Schiff about his lying. Let me give you another. He says that um, this is part of, the, uh, of a pattern. Ahead of the first Trump impeachment, you said the committee had not spoken to a whistleblower. In fact, that turned out not to be true. You know, the Washington Post uh, said so in their, in their fact check. Uh, the Washington Post uh, uh, identified that, yes, before the person became a whistleblower, they sought advice from the committee. Uh, when I was asked the question, I thought they were referring to whether we had brought the whistleblower in. Uh, and I should have been more clear in my answer. I mean, it's such nonsense. You get it. We don't have to get lost in the minutia of who talked to who, when, and everything else. But Schiff is just a liar. He should not be on the Intel Committee. He's running for senator, right? He's a congressman. And now he's, he's a disgraced embarrassment. Think about it. The January 6th hearings, nothing came of it. The impeachments, nothing came of it. Again, these are the types of people that should be ashamed of walking outside after the grift that they have pulled on the American people. But they're Democrats, so they have Democrat privilege. You can lie about everything. You'll still get on CNN and they'll treat you great. Uh, let's contrast that to what happens when you're a Republican and you stand up for yourself and you stand up for your party. And most importantly, I would say you stand up for your country. Well, Jim Jordan, who I happen to like a lot, congressman from Ohio, uh, who I think is doing great work and fighting big tech and fighting for free speech and a whole bunch more. He went on Chuck Todd's Sunday propaganda show, uh, Meet the Press. It was a great show when I was growing up about 30 years ago. 
but it, it no longer is very sad to say. Uh, and here is Jim Jordan going off on Chuck Todd. Now note the way Chuck Todd is asking these questions. And you tell me, is Chuck Todd an impartial observer? Is he, is he a journalist in his manner? Or is he a Democrat activist? Take a look. Executed. President Trump warrant. had documents locked in a room with Secret Service protecting them. Uh, President Biden had documents in his garage and in a think tank that was funded by the Chinese. I think there's a difference. President Trump was the only guy who was actually are, president. Are, I mean, you talk about that. You're worried about the Chinese and, and, and Hunter no, Biden. No, I'm just saying, are I think you there's worried a difference. about the Chinese and Donald they Trump? They took pictures. They took pictures of. Are you at all worried about that? No, Jer I, I'm not. But they took pictures of, of the documents at Trump's house. They took no pictures of documents. In fact, it's not just me who would like to know what went on here. Senator Warner said it last I, week. He would like to get a briefing. He wants to see the documents. No and guess what? The FBI the issue, is saying, no, but they took pictures the of the folders not whether, in Trump's home. The issue is not whether Joe Biden, what Joe Biden did uh, no, the is issue of concern. Is, the issue is equal why treatment is it, under the law. That's the issue. No, the equal issue is treatment you do under not the law. seem to ever see the same conspiratorial problems when it's a Republican. Those were all investigated for f four years and they continue the to way, do it. Does Chuck Todd seem like an impartial observer there trying to get to the truth or does he seem like a lawyer for the Democrats? No matter what Jim Jordan says about the difference between what's going on here between the, the Biden docs and the Trump docs, Chuck Todd is fighting him on that. Do you think that is how he treated Adam Schiff for all the years that Adam Schiff was peddling January 6th nonsense and Russia collusion? You know the answer. I don't even have to explain it to you. Now I want to show you a 15 second video that I showed you before because I want to show you how all of these things once again are connected. The people who get everything wrong, uh, they must be exposed as people who get everything wrong. We must stop paying attention to them. So let's go back to that Bill Gates guy. You'll see what I'm doing here in just a second. Remember what Bill Gates said about what we should have done to have stopped COVID? You remember this from mere 16 minutes ago. Do you believe it's possible to prevent the next pandemic? Say again? Is it possible to prevent the next pandemic? Yes, if every country does what Australia did, then you wouldn't be calling it a pandemic. Uh... Ah, you remember that from 16 minutes ago. I know you guys don't have COVID brain. You remembered it. Now, why am I showing you that again? Because uh, if every country had done what Australia did, well, last year during the Australian Open, Australia did not allow Novak Djokovic into the country. He is the number one tennis player in the world. He is not vaxxed. He is a young, healthy person in his 20s who's probably at the peak of human fitness as the number one tennis player in the world. They did not let him in for the Australian Open last year. You know what happened this week? Yeah, he won the Australian Open and there's Bill Gates in the audience sitting there unmasked. Look at Bill Gates' face. He, he's becoming Palpatine. These people become, they all become Palpatine, you know, it's, he's yelling unlimited power, the lightning's coming out of his hands, and his face is actually starting to melt. As you remember, that's of course what happened to Palpatine himself when he was fighting with Mace Windu and yada, 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 you get it. Okay, so that's pretty spectacular. So Bill Gates, you got it wrong. You wanted everybody to be like Australia. Australia locked down their people. They had protests. They wouldn't let the number one tennis player in. A year goes by, number one tennis player, not vaxxed, wins the... Uh, Australian Open, pretty spectacular. And what is really spectacular about that is that uh, Djokovic actually represents the individual. He fought for his right to his own bodily autonomy. That's something that leftists used to be into, right? They were into this idea of my body, my choice. He faced the adversity. It is not fun for a guy who has devoted his entire life to something to say, I will not go. I'm not going to be injected with this thing and I will miss the Australian Open. It's one of the big ones. It's one of the big ones in tennis. You don't want to miss that, but he did what was right and he has been proven correct. And you know what that does? It builds freaking character. Joe Rogan and Jordan Peterson. There's a thing that men need. Um, they need difficult tasks and they need to know that they can overcome difficult yeah. tasks. Yeah, and, yeah. and through that, you develop your your human potential, you yeah. develop what you're capable of doing. And if you don't encounter those things in life, you, you remain feeble yeah. and you may fetal even. Yeah. And yeah. very, uh, not just immature, but, um, insecure. Well, and not just insecure, but insecure, then bitter, yes. then resentful, yes. then dangerous. Yes. Yeah, that's right. 
That's right. You have to face adversity just because the machine says to you, get injected, just because the machine says, says to you, don't go to grandma's funeral and all the rest of it. You must do what is right for you. And that is the thing that they fear the most, right? I wish it wasn't this way. I wish it was a hell of a lot easier, I suppose. I mean, I think there's an actual beauty in this, right? Like it might be the most beautiful human thing there is. So I, I'll take away that wish. I don't, it's not that I wish everything was easier actually because the, the lesson here is the, is the purpose of the whole freaking thing. Um, but people are afraid. People are afraid and then what happens? They get you to do all these bad things and then you just get everything wrong. And as I said earlier, and I think this is the case of Sam Harris, you end up trying to take out the very people who are fighting for your ability to live freely, it is, which is exactly what he's trying to do with Elon Musk. It's rather extraordinary. It's rather extraordinary. But let's take this from, uh, from the individual level. Let's do this at a macro level, the societal level. Do you know how you make a society flourish? Well, there are great people before us who thought an awful lot about it. Uh, you might remember this little bite from my last PragerU video that we shot, uh, gosh, it's only about six months ago. The founders of America sought to create a government whose primary purpose was to protect the freedom of the individual. After that, as far as George, Ben, and Tom were concerned, you were on your own. Nobody saw this more clearly than the 19th century French writer Alexis de Tocqueville. He came to America to see what all the commotion was about and was absolutely blown away. This new American democracy, what he called the equality of conditions, was not merely a new way to govern, he realized, but a new way to live. For de Tocqueville, American individualism was not about being self-centered, but about being self-reliant. Government can't guarantee your happiness, but it should guarantee your right to pursue it. This is the only way to make progress on a national level and still be authentically inclusive. Because where true freedom exists, there will be individualism. And where individualism exists, there will be true freedom. So it starts with you guys. I know you get it. I know you get it. But it starts with you. And if you can spread that, we can fix this thing. Why is it that the best-run nations that often are just a blip in history are where the individual is the most important piece and it's a bottom-up version. And then, of course, yes, bad guys always come in. And we're dealing with a version of that in the United States right now. I think that's what everyone's kind of feeling. It's like, especially at the federal level, it's like, man, the collectivists are here, the socialists are here, the communists are here, the, the, the one world government's here, the globalists are here, the whole thing, it's here. And we have to make a choice in this moment. Do, do you just wanna be quiet about it and not do anything? Do you wanna go along with it? Do you, do you want, when Bill Gates tells you to be locked down because of climate, do you wanna go along with it? Or while you have a modicum of freedom left, uh, do you wanna jump in and, and get in the fight? I think it's fairly obvious because what you want is a society that allows choice. And a society that allows choice will always be a healthy society and it will give you a winning strategy. But don't listen to me. How about Thomas Sowell? What would you do to help those blacks who are still in a very low economic condition in terms of education, for example? Well, that, that's uh, very easy. I would allow their parents to have a choice of where to send them to school, whether that choice is called a voucher scheme, open enrollment, tuition tax credit, any kind of scheme of that sort that would put that power in the hands of their parents, mainly because that would mean that the schools would have to be responsive to them. As it is now, the school is a monopoly. As blacks emerged from slavery, oh, a minute percentage could read or write, and yet in half a century, over half the black population was literate. Uh, an economic historian has called that one of the most remarkable things in history. And yet the census of 1850 showed that most free blacks could read and write. So I don't think that uh, the fact that people have little education means that they are in any way uh, uh, poorer judges than distant bureaucrats who have their own access to grind and run the public school system. You get it? Stop exporting your decisions to, as what Thomas Sowell calls, distant bureaucrats. These people who don't care about you and they don't deserve your attention, they don't deserve your tax dollars, they really don't deserve your respect or anything else. They are, they are sucking you off, but not in the good way. And on that note, we've got a post-game show coming up in just a moment. You can join us at rubenreport.locals.com. Uh, just a reminder, guys, we are completely independent. 
we are completely independent. I know that there has been a big brouhaha lately, you know, the, uh, the fight between Daily Wire and Crowder and there's Blaze and all of these different things. I decided as of January 1st this year, we were gonna do this completely independently through Rumble and Locals, meaning it's us. It's us. So if you'd like to join us on this adventure, you can toss in a couple bucks a month at rubenreport.locals.com. You get ad-free stuff, you get early videos, you get the live post-game shows and a whole bunch more. Uh, part one of my interview with Michael Malice is up right now on YouTube and Rumble. The full thing is up on Locals right now because you get stuff early. We leave you with Joe and Jill Biden and uh, I'll see you guys in 37 seconds. <laughs> Come on up, Joe. <laughs> no, you're not going to dance, believe me. We don't want to ruin the evening. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.